You're listening to Revive the World Ministries podcast. Thanks for listening. We hope this message encourages you to be all God created you to be so that you can impact the world around you with the love and power of God. For more information about us, you can visit our website at revivetheworld.us or visit us in person each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. We hope to connect with you soon. Guys, God's good, isn't he? Good and faithful. In every season, <laughs> sure is a lot of fun too. I know we don't get to, you know, I know not every moment feels like fun in every season that we are in, but there's still, we can learn to enjoy Him even in tough times, <clears throat> learn to celebrate ourselves regardless of, of how much or how little growth we are having. We are learning that He is uh, he is the epitome of all of all things uh, joy filled and also merciful all at one time. All right, he can be serious and joyful all at once. He's good. Whew. All right, let's let's pray, and then I'm going to talk to you about something that's been one of my favorite topics and <clears throat> most passionate. Uh, one of the things I'm most passionate about and have been since, since we started all this. So Holy Spirit, we thank you for what you've been doing in worship already. Uh, we thank you for peace coming right now. Your perfect love invading uh, every person's house that's watching online, uh, every person's space. Uh, this space, we thank you for perfect love coming. Yeah, we thank you for you coming. <laughs> Thanks for coming today, love. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Would you come, Holy Spirit, as the spirit of, of wisdom, as the spirit of revelation, that whatever it is that you need us to get personally, that you would help us to have the aha moment that we need right now in the season that we're in, right now in the situation that we're in. Whatever it is that we need, we know you can do that regardless if it's something that I get to partner with you and say or it's something totally unrelated. We thank you that, that you are the revelation we need, that you're teaching us today. Yeah, thank you. Thanks. We just focus in on you. Same was praying. We lock eyes with you. <laughs> thank you. Thanks, Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. I want to, um, before I get started, I had a word for, for you, John and Beth, if I can share it with you and encourage you. <clears throat> you getting your phone out? Prophet, we call that prophetically responsible. That's a good lesson for all of us, giving words and all of us getting words. If you don't record them, you probably won't remember them. Good thing is, is that we're recording this too, though. <laughs> but that's not always the case. You tell me when you're ready. <laughs> that's my problem too. Don't worry. <clears throat> Good. Got the thumbs up. All right. Um, you guys have have been and continue to be, uh, and always will be. Uh, I saw this uh, this blanket, and God was showing me that He's He's covering you as He always has covered you uh, in this season of transition. And I felt like I saw you guys co-authoring a book uh, about your experiences, uh, about the things that you've been through. Uh, sometimes I'd I'd call it the the good, the bad, and the ugly. Maybe not in that order of of ministry life and Christian life. Um, and I feel like that you're going to release a lot of practical wisdom um, through, through that book, as you do in your everyday lives, that are going to help so many people that read that, so many people. I feel like it's a book for, gener I feel like that book will be a, a time capsule for generations uh, to come that will be able to read that and it will point them to a place where they'll be able to start at what has, has been 
quote unquote, your, your ceiling or the point that you've reached it right now, uh, but I know not staying at. Um, so I feel like that the, the insight that you guys offer uh, as far as kingdom uh, principles go are, are priceless, uh, that there's going to be more opportunity in this season uh, in the, in the, yeah, going into this new year, I don't know how long the season will be, but I feel like there's going to be more opportunity in this season to be able to share the, the nuggets that you guys have that have been keys to your uh, success in ministry, uh, your success in seeing breakthrough, uh, and, and the passion that you guys carry. I feel like there's going to be a ton of impartation. I know there's been a lot over the years in the 20-some years or however long you guys have been in ministry. I feel like that God is going to actually, in this season, multiply that even more so than over the last two decades. Uh, and you're going, to, you're going to get to see fruit. <clears throat> I feel like there's been some curiosity as to whether you'd see some fruit from some seeds that you've sown. And uh, <laughs> I feel like the Father was saying, don't worry, the, fr the fruit is coming. And I feel like that you're going to get, in this lifetime, you're going to get to share in, har in harvesting uh, that fruit and of enjoying, of celebrating uh, the labor that you guys have uh, done selflessly and not in expectation of getting anything in return. Um, and, and with that, I just want to encourage you that you guys are an incredible model of what it looks like to, to selflessly give in the kingdom of yourselves so that you can see the advancement of the kingdom and ultimately see the transformation uh, of nations of nations take place. So, Father, I thank you so much for John and Beth. I thank you for what they mean to us, but ultimately what they mean to the, to the world. And, and we just bless them right now as a family. We thank you um, for all that they've, they've sown, all that they've watered. We thank you that you're giving increase to it, increase to their personal lives. And I even thank you that there's been some things that they've wanted for themselves, uh, Lord God, that they've, they've asked and and waited on, and I, I thank you that you're bringing it to them in this season. And so I just, I just bless all that you're doing in, in their lives. And uh, we just say more, God, more, more, more in Jesus' name. Amen. That makes sense to you guys in, in any way? The book thing is something you got before? Okay. Just curious. Yeah. All right. Well, I can't wait to see what, what comes of it. <laughs> God's good, huh? Yay. All right. I'm going to start you out in the. I'm going to start you out in the Old Testament. We're going to take a a, a quick journey from Second Chronicles seven uh, verses one through three. I'm going to read about Solomon dedicating the temple, and I'm just going to walk you through on into the new covenant and talk about what I said was my passion, which is personal revival. I feel like God brought me back to this topic over the last week and a half. I don't know about you, but this is, this is what I get to do. You know, not everybody is, is assigned. We all have different giftings and different spheres of influence and different anointings and and, and hope, I always hope that the majority of people's giftings and anointings and influence are outside of the four walls of the, of the church. We need people in here training and equipping, um, but just like me, I have influence that's outside of, outside of here too. It was never meant to stay in here. This is the, the training place. This is the, like, if you like sports analogies, the locker room, uh, whatever you want to call it. This is where we encourage one another. Iron sharpens iron. And we, we learn, we worship together, um, and we get drawn more into intimacy collectively, corporately. Uh, we lift up declarations because there's power and unity, and we learn to walk together so that the world will know that Jesus uh, is, is real. Because when we learn to walk together, it will be a demonstration of our love for one another. And with all that said, it's easy for me, and I have somewhat got caught up in all of the, the training and all the good things. You know, I love programs. I love 
uh, all the stuff that we, I love most the stuff that we, we do in the church, and, uh, <laughs> and uh, don't worry, I'm not going to give you an exhaustive list of, of my likes and dislikes because it's, it doesn't matter, but I, I love the stuff that we get to do and the stuff that we do here, but in all of that, I feel like that I had lost sight a little bit of what it was always really about. Um, and it was always meant to be about for us since we started, um, since I became a Christian, it was always meant to be about personal revival uh, that resulted in corporate revival, that resulted in, in awakening or reformation in, in cities and then ultimately in the nations of the world. It, it's, it's really what it's all about. I, I, don't, we, I don't preach that revival is an event, even though I know there have been events that have been revivals, right? And all of them have ceased, ceased to exist, except for um, probably the most recent one that I can think of is uh, Toronto. Um, that's still 25, 26 years later have planted... Uh, what revival is supposed to do when it happens inside the four walls of the church that planted th- over five, I mean, thousands and thousands and thousands of church plants have come out of that. The gospel is spread to all the nations through, through that move of God. It's incredible. I mean, Heidi and Roland Baker have planted, if I'm, don't uh, quote me if I'm wrong, but I think over 5,000 churches by themselves um, since that took place. And they were seriously struggling, burnout, out, and were done with you know, Heidi was ready to go be a, a greeter at Walmart, or, or she was just done. They'd been through it and have been through it since, too. But you see the result of what, what revival can do in, in one person because of their lives. And so I don't promote that revival is an event so that we're not looking to have great church services that last a long time. But I believe that revival is a lifestyle that happens from one person saying yes to Jesus and being willing to remain in intimacy and and be an example of what revival really is. It's bringing dead things back to life, right? (laughs) How many times do we need revival in the church? It's like we we were meant to live passionately on fire, whatever that looks like for you. It may not be expressed the same way for you as it is for me but it will be life-giving to the people that are around us. It will be an impartation of life, and which is hope, which is joy, which is healing, which is freedom, which is all those things. Those are all kingdom, and, and it, can, it can come through a one person's lifestyle of, of what I call, what we call revival. It's <laughs> and, and so I, I, we're not looking, we, good church services are, should be a given to me. When we all get in the, in the building together and we are going after Jesus together, I mean, it, he's going he's to be here. He inhabits the praises of his people, right? Whether it's you and, and another, another sister or another brother or it's, you know, 30 or 30,000. It doesn't matter what it is. Jesus, is, when, when he has permission to come into a space, he's going to take that opportunity and come. That's why, we, that's why we say, Holy Spirit, you have permission to do whatever you want. We mean it. Even as uncomfortable as it has made me at times. <laughs> you could come do it and do whatever you want. And then sometimes you realize that whatever you want looks different than whatever he wants. <laughs> You're like, I don't know about that. I'm not sure if that was on whatever you want list. <laughs> but if it's you, I'm cool with it. A little scared, but I'm cool. So 2 Chronicles 7, I just want to walk you through what was Old, old Covenant, which is a type and shadow of what's to come, and, and see what, what Jesus is saying in the, in the Old Testament into the New Testament through his life, and then wind up in a place of, I want to take a few moments um, to, to just to worship. I know we, we, ex, we spent extended time in worship already. We do that often, and it's because we value His presence. And God can do a whole lot more in a moment of worship than in a thousand sermons. Teaching's important, super important, very valuable. The Word of God is, is what we base our whole lives off of. I'm just saying that we want the combination of both. <laughs> God can work a whole lot out in worship. And so 2 Chronicles 7, 
verse 1 says, When Solomon had finished praying, fire came down from heaven, consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And the priest could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. Verse 3, when all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshiped and praised the Lord, saying, for he is good and his mercy endures forever. Okay, so now we, we see a physical building where Solomon is able to dedicate it because David wasn't. Solomon's son, or David's son, Solomon, is able to dedicate it because David had too much blood on his hands. And so he's able to, to dedicate the temple. And, and just pay attention before I move on to Isaiah 60, if you want to put your hand there. Pay attention to what was happening. Solomon was, was praying. Solomon was in, was in dedication. He was dedicating the temple to the Lord, and he was making sacrifice. Praying, dedication, and, and, and sacrifice. All things that were a type of shadow that would come into the new covenant through Jesus. Now look at <clears throat> Isaiah 60, verse 1 through 3. It says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and the deep darkness the people. Some people stop there. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. Verse 3, the Gentiles shall come to your light, and the kings the brightness of or rising. Arise, shine, for the light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon, upon you. And so you see in 2 Chronicles 7 that it was a location, but Isaiah is prophesying into the future of the coming Messiah. He's prophesying, but not only to, to the, to about the Messiah, but also to all of those that would come after him, because he was the firstborn among many brethren or many sons and daughters. And so it was prophesied about Jesus. We can take it for ourselves in, in this specific context. And about this specific thing. And so the glory had fallen on the temple. <clears throat> and now Isaiah is saying the glory of the Lord will rise upon people. And though deep darkness will come upon the earth, we're experiencing, right? And since time began, after Adam and Eve sinned, there's been darkness on the earth. And in every generation, they always think, this darkness is darker than the last darkness. This has got to be darker. Well, now we're just we're more knowledgeable because of technology of the darkness that's happening around the planet. Nothing is new under the sun. No perversion, no, it, it, none of it. The violence, the warring, the killing, the hate, the racism, all of it, it's nothing's new. It, it's, it's all been happening for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. And so, and so God, he acknowledges the darkness, and then he says, here's the solution. The glory of the Lord is going, it's, it's, the, it shall cover the earth in deep darkness of people, but, I like it when he, when he says that, but the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 14 says for the lord for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the lord as the waters cover the sea for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the lord as the waters cover the sea this is what i propose to you as i'm getting ready to get into, into jesus life and i'm giving you i want to walk you through scripture and so i'm going to turn to luke 5 verse 16 next but this is what I'm proposing to you, is that this physical location was only a representation of what would turn into a generation and therefore generations of people that would walk with the fire of God on the inside of them and the glory of the Lord would be upon them so that it would be visible in the darkness because what will erase darkness but light and glory manifests in light. And so therefore, we can, we can come to the conclusion that 
in Habakkuk 2.14 where it says the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea is that we are the ones that demonstrate the glory of the Lord to the rest of the planet. That how else would the knowledge of the glory of the Lord come than through the people of God? That the sons and daughters of God would get the opportunity to partner with Holy Spirit as He comes upon us. But first, there must be sacrifice. We see all through the Old Testament that fire always falls on sacrifice. And that we, as the priests did, were created to keep the fire burning on the altar at all times. Right? The altar where? Not a, not a figurative altar, but the altar of our hearts. That when Holy Spirit came on the inside of us, came upon us when we were baptized in the Holy Spirit, there was a fire that was ignited on the inside of us. It's, uh, I'm so <laughs> ready to take lift off right now because I'm so excited uh, that, of what God is doing just in my personal life, let alone in the body of Christ. But it comes from the fire of God that was ignited in me when I gave my life to Jesus. There was a sacrifice. I said, here you can have my life. You can have every single, now it took some time to walk out giving him every single part, but my prayer was, is that you can, you can have it all. We sing it, right? I think Brian Johnson is the one that, that wrote that song, uh, that you, can, you literally can have it all, Lord. You can have every part of my life. And so when there's sacrifice, fire falls, and when there's dedication, we dedicate our kids to the Lord. But when you and I gave our life to Jesus, essentially it was a dedication, we're saying, here, here, God, I am dedicating this temple. If you look in 2 uh, Corinthians 6, that now we have become the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so I dedicate this life to you. What's that mean? I give my life to you. It's the same as sacrifice. That's why fire fell on sacrifice as dedication was taking place to be an example to us when we said yes to Jesus, this is what's supposed to go down. It's not just supposed to be a nice prayer that I pray so that I can go to heaven one day, but so the fire of God can come on my life and the glory of God will be seen by all those that I get to influence on a daily basis and that my life would look like revival everywhere that I go, that there's potential for there to be awakening in every store, every gas station, every city, every country that I go to. Just one person's life can ignite a whole generation. Just one person saying yes to Jesus can ignite a whole generation of people. Jesus did it. Jesus modeled it. And so now I'll take you into the New Testament of what Jesus modeled and give you practical example or practical principles to apply to our lives of how we can look the same. Because Jesus is the standard. Jesus is the model of what it looks like to live sold out and in right relationship or in intimacy with the Father. And he invited us all into it. It's a level playing field at the cross. It's like don't care uh, age, uh, gender, uh, background, uh, criminal history, uh, what you did, your sin issues, how bad you were. You know, it, and none of that. He erases it. That's why we say it's a level playing field at the cross. He erases it all. I know sometimes we still can judge people by appearance or what they've done or what they don't do or what kind of job they do or all that. Uh, not that we're supposed to, because it says in 2 Corinthians 5 that we no longer acknowledge anyone according to the flesh, but that's a process that's happening, and we're, we're growing in that, right? There's things that we used to judge that we no longer judge. There's the way that we used to see people that we no longer see them. In all of the process that we are going through, the refinement that's happening in our lives and the transformation of our mind, this this example that Jesus set, I believe, expedites the process. doesn't bypass process, but it expedites the process. <laughs> I, love, I love when process gets expedited. And outside, outside of these principles that I'm going to give you, or actually just a couple of principles that I'm going to give you, I believe that the process will take longer than what it's meant to. I personally believe that I have a choice in how quickly I am transformed. 
I'm not at God's mercy of just him doing, you know, it's just like, well, God will just change me when he wants to. He wanted to so bad he sent Jesus. <laughs> I mean, that was my neon sign. <laughs> He's like, this is how bad I want, to, I want to change you. I sent my son and sacrificed him. Aaron articulated so beautifully during communion of, of, of what, what Jesus went through for us. He said that he, uh, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. I believe that it was the faces of all of us in every person and every generation that he saw and that we were the joy that was set before him. <laughs> He's like, I've already paid for it. How fast do you want to be processed? You choose. And his love never changes. I could not do anything the rest of my life as a Christian, just go on and live, quote unquote, the American dream and have the house with the white picket. I don't like white picket fences, but you get, you get the drift. Uh, and and uh, maybe something I don't have to repaint as often, you know. But I could go on, do that, work in nine to five, quit ministry. I'm not promoting this. I'm just trying to paint a picture. I, I could just work a nine-to-five, make a good living, and enjoy life with my, my beautiful wife, and he'd love me just the same. Now, I personally couldn't do that because I know that I'd be, I'd, I'd be miserable because of what's happened. I, I, <laughs> you, 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 you get, I think that most of you get it. You, you know that there's just no going back at this point. We've come too far. We've experienced too much. We've seen the goodness of God in the land of the living. And it's just, it's changed us, right? I love it that I'm in a room full of people that have been changed by the goodness of God and are hungry. And that's why this topic is coming back up to refresh our minds and do a holy reboot towards the end of the year. And the question I had for you when I was thinking of this topic is, how do you want to end this year? How do I want to end this year? Because I believe how you end a day is how you start the next. And I, I believe the same thing about, about calendar years. How do I want to end this year? I know that there's been all kinds of craziness and stress and fear that has broken out in every nation of the world this year in the midst of it that's the deep darkness that's all right it, it's we've, we've acknowledged that that's that's darkness what's happened this year has not come from any good source it's not from God he didn't send it he's not trying to make us better Christians or more holy or he doesn't use those forms of things to bring correction to his children he can't release what he does. He doesn't have that. He only gives, look in James, he only gives good gifts. He doesn't have bad things to give. The source is darkness. The source is darkness, where it came from. It's the deep darkness that's covering the earth. But the Lord will rise upon us. We have an opportunity. He's drawing us into a place of the glory of the Lord being more visible upon the body of Christ than it ever has before. I believe that this plan is backfiring on the enemy. <laughs> I believe this was one of his biggest mistakes yet. Of, of what and he's made some major ones, right? <clears throat> I believe it's his biggest mistake yet of bringing what he has brought against the earth because what's happening right now is that believers all over are being drawn into a place of intimacy. <clears throat> what was supposed to be isolation is actually bringing families together. Forced refinement. <laughs> I believe that, that what, what is happening is drawing the believers are saying yes like we are, into a deeper place of intimacy, and it's bringing a, a, a unity among the body of Christ as a whole. That we're seeing what matters most. Because the things that I started out with, and I talked about of the programs, and the training, and the other things that we can get caught up, all matter. They just don't matter most. They're not most important. 
The most important thing is him and me being in, in intimacy and in love with him. And everything else falls into place when I seek first the kingdom. And all these other things will be added to you. Those aren't just financial things. I know in Matthew 6, he's talking about provision. But it's all other things in life. For life and godliness is that you'll seek first the kingdom. Not so that you get those things, but out of, sometimes it starts out of obedience. But what starts out of obedience that I may not feel like doing will turn into a hunger and a desire like I've never had before for being with Jesus. Um, Jesus models in Luke 5.16, I told you I was going to give you some more scripture and I'm going to. It says in Luke 5.16, this is the New Living Translation, but Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. Jesus himself would often withdraw to the wilderness and pray. He spent time in isolation with the Father, undistracted, <laughs> it's an interesting, challenging word for us in, in, in the world today, right? You ever, you ever went into prayer and you left your ringer on on your phone? How undistracted was that, <laughs> right? With your alerts and your text messages and all the other things. I'll tell you a little secret. Is that I have, I have <laughs> I've turned the alerts off on almost all of the things in my phone. And the only time that thing will go off is my ringer's on. <laughs> it helps me right now because I can be just as distracted as anybody else. Jesus models for us what it looks like to go into intimacy often, and I believe daily. It's daily intimacy, not just when I think I need it. Again, obedience starts with obedience. Jesus models obedience, not just when I, I think I need it, it's doing it daily. And when I, I do it, I'm telling you, it's just it, you, what starts in obedience comes into this place of, I need time with you. I have to have it. Not because I'm all messed up and, and broken and can't make it if I don't. It's because I long to be with you. Like you, I'm, you know what's happening is there's a transfer of desire. I'm picking up on the desire that he has for me and because I'm created to be like him. And so then when I pick up on that desire, I long to be with him like he longs to be with me. Jesus models that to us. And then in Acts, so Jesus models a lifestyle to us through the Gospels. And then in Acts chapter 1, right before Jesus is getting ready to lift off, right, and ascend to heaven after he had walked the earth for 40 days. I don't know how else to say it. He transitioned from one realm to the next. In the natural, it looked like he you know, took an elevator ride on the cloud. But honestly, it's the heavenly realm is all around us, and he just transitioned. <laughs> it's amazing. What's even more amazing is that we get to live from there. Acts, Acts chapter 1, verse 4, is, uh, Jesus tells his disciples to wait. He says, wait. He, com he actually commands them. I know we don't like the word command, but I, I think that it's, it's not a bad, it's not a, you know, a cuss word, but it's... He, Jesus commands them. He tells them to do this. Why? Because it's good for them. He says, wait. I command you to wait in Jerusalem till you experience the promise of the Father. The, the Pentecost. We're all familiar. Right? Whether we identify as Pentecostals or not. <laughs> I believe we should all celebrate Pentecost. <laughs> it's a pretty important day. Right? And so he tells them, wait. And what do they do? They gather in the upper room and pray. He says, wait, they hear pray. How's that, how's that translate? Because waiting in the kingdom is, is an active word. It means that I am doing, I am doing something. Not doing something to get the promise to come, but it actually comes from what Jesus modeled back then to the disciples. His lifestyle... He had, showed, he had shown them what it looks like to wait on the Father. It looked like time with the Father. I'm waiting with Him because He has a specific time and location that He was going to do this. And so they gather in the upper room and they spend isolated time together. 120 of men and women in this, in this upper room, they, they spend time in prayer, in isolated prayer 
together. And then the promise uh, of the Holy Spirit comes. We could call it glory and fire all wrapped into one, right? It comes upon, feels, and comes upon the believers. And that right there was the moment that resulted in the world turning, being turned upside down, as the book of Acts put it, by a group of men and women who had the glory of the Lord upon them and who lived in a time that was much tougher than what we are experiencing right now. All right? Just to put it in light, I'm not saying that things aren't tough for people, but I am, I want to, it's worth mentioning so that we get that revival broke out or reformation broke out in the earth while persecution was taking place. While Nero was putting Christians as candles along the side of the road, right? Killing Christians in some very sick, creative ways. But it didn't stop the gospel from advancing. And this, this, is, this is why. Because we see in Acts that 3,000 the first day get saved, and then 5,000, and then, then it says that God was adding to the church daily. He was adding to the church daily from a group of people who had watched intimacy modeled to them by one person who had said yes. Yes, that person was Jesus, but he was one man nonetheless who had said yes to the Father, who had willingly chose his lot in life to come and be the spotless sacrifice so that we could come into a relationship with the Father that he modeled for us, invited us into and tore the veil and gave us the opportunity to have the same yes to, to, to the Father that he had and that we would see an even greater result. John 14, 12 says, you'll do greater works. And if, if you believe in me, all those who believe in me, will see great, greater things than I've seen. You'll do the same things I did, even greater. I mean, that's a huge promise. How's it happen? It doesn't happen through me trying harder. I believe it happens, it happens right here. It happens in this. Sam, if you, you want to go ahead and come, and, and I'll give you the, the practical the practical principle as we get ready to go into worship. I've been prone to highs and lows in my Christian life. Even since I've been in ministry, I've coasted at times when things were going well. I've not spent time, sufficient time with the Lord in intimacy when I didn't feel like it. I have had many forced sessions with God over the years when I knew I should do it, and, but, you know, didn't come out of prayer feeling very hopeful. And then my mind began to be transformed because of declarations that I was making about the goodness of God, who God is, who I am, who He created me be, to be, who, what He created me to do the life he created me to live. I began to make these declarations, and the declarations I didn't believe when I began to make them. We are talking about this on Wednesday night. But what a declaration I see it doing is, yes, it transformed my mind, but it's, it's like this gravitational pull. When I begin to declare things that I don't yet believe, what they do is they begin to pull me towards that particular truth so that I live out of that reality. Where does it pull me towards it? It pulls it towards in my mind. Well, between the actually that truth being foundational and me living in it and it being my first response, that's how I, I know that I have, that I really believe something. It is, it, it's my, uh, without even trying, I think it. When somebody drops dead in front of me and I say, I'm right now in Jesus' name, get up, right? That's when resurrection, that's become part of my foundation. I, I believe that God you know, that people die prematurely and God wants to raise them back to life. It took time to get there. But I'm just using it as an example of how I know something is, my, is part of my foundation, that my mind has been transformed by a truth. And so if it's my second or third thought, or it has to be a fourth thought, I'm just thankful that it's there. 
but I am giving you an example of how we know. Practical, right? Practical principles applied through biblical truth. And so what I see happening is before, I, before it becomes my first thought is in my mind, there's other things that it has to go through. We call that refinement. <laughs> it, it's refining my thinking. It's, it feels like I'm going through the fire because when I declare a truth and I don't yet believe it, what happens is, as our friend David Wagner uh, in Spiritual Dad said, that every revelation requires a response. What's that mean? When I have a revelation of something, I declare that God is good, but I don't yet believe it. Everything that says God isn't good is going to be highlighted to me. It all becomes under the spotlight of life, and then I get an opportunity to respond. In what? In, in obedience. If I don't feel it, if I don't see it, and I'm just, I, I know it's true, and then it becomes a little bit closer and a little bit closer. What speeds up that process of what Jesus modeled to us is me getting alone with the Father daily with no other agenda than just to be with Him. And so my question is, is what's a sacrifice to you? What's a sacrifice to you in this season? What will you and Holy Spirit work out that will be your sacrifice on a daily basis of spending time with Him? Every day. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to give you an out and say you can do it every other day, every, you know, every three days or maybe once a week. I just don't. We're, we're not called to that. that you, you can do that. And like I said, He'll love you just the same. But what do, you, what do you want? That's what he's asking us. What do we want? How, how transformed do we want to be? How much glory do we want to make visible to the world around us? What, what, what gets you out of bed in the morning, right? What, why? What's it, what are you called to? What's, these are things that you work out with him. I can't give you my schedule and say you should do it. That's once upon a time, years ago, I would have tried to force my passions and my desires on you of what you should do. And it was just, you know, religion talking. I can't pigeonhole. I don't know what your life consists of. I don't know your work schedule or how many kids you, most of you, I know how many kids you got. I know that there are different challenges for different people. What's a sacrifice for you in this season? How do we want to end this year? I believe we should end it in, in, a, in a dedication of this temple all over again to the Lord. I believe that's what he's, he's inviting us into. I, I, he's asking, what's a sacrifice? What, what is going to get you on the, on the altar of intimacy with me? As I was spending time with the, with the Lord this week and just, you know, we were just hanging out with him, no agenda. Bill Johnson says that if, if you've got an hour to pray, spend 45 minutes in prayer or in worship. <laughs> I know why he says that. Because if I'll worship for 45 minutes, all those other things that I'm going to pray about, most of them have went away anyway. <laughs> As I know he's got them. And then the other 15 minutes that I'm actually going to pray, I'll pray from right perspective. <laughs> it's beautiful and so as I was spending that just time in worship I love, I love it I heard Jesus whisper I long for these moments I long for these moments where I have you undistracted I'm telling you I've been more distracted this season than I've ever been in, in my Christian life with good things with good things I mean I'm not still on fire I mean I'm still not preaching kingdom and living kingdom and all those things. I'm just telling you, I've been more distracted with good things in this season than, than ever before. He's calling me into intimacy and another brother's helping me with that. Just, just spending time with him. That's what we're going to do for the next few minutes. I know we usually end at 1230 and by all means, if you need to go, you absolutely can. There's no judgment. I know you got things going on. But I, I just want to take a few moments as Sam sings and and if you're willing, just a rededication. Let this process start all over again and ask him while we pray. Just super practical. What's a sacrifice for me right now to spend time with you? What's a sacrifice for me? What's that look like? Fire always falls on sacrifice. Always falls on sacrifice. <laughs> sacrifice, <laughs> whatever it is for you. I almost, almost will guarantee it that fire will fall on your sacrifice. 
could be new passion, new desire, new hunger, all birthed out of a simple act of obedience, of spending time with him, intimacy with him that will result in the personal revival that we were, I don't, I don't believe we were made for anything less. I don't believe that they were ever created to be nominal Christians and on fire Christians. Oh, you're just a Bible thumper and you're just passionate about Jesus. That's not for me. I don't believe there was ever meant to, I believe there's different expressions of kingdom in different places, but I believe we were all meant to be in personal revival. Jesus paid for it. Come on. He's inviting us into it today. It's simple. It really is. So what are we going to do? If you, if you would, just, uh, well, I mean, you can come up to the altar. You can stay where you're at. I know that some of you may be social distancing a little bit more than others online, whatever you, you, you're able to do. You can stand. You can kneel. You can lay. What, whatever it is that just gets us in a place of, of worship, a place of whatever you, you do when you worship, if you dance, if you, whatever it is. He's just wooing us. He's wooing us. He's wooing us. He's wooing us. He wants the world. He wants the world to be able to see the glory of the Lord upon his sons and daughters that they may declare that he is good and his mercy endures forever. It's not that he needs it. It's because he wants them to know him the way that we are getting to know him so that they can be all that they were created to be. It's not about him. It ain't never been about him. It's always been about, about loving the world. For God so loved. Right? That's what it's always been about. And so, Father, right now, we thank you that you are inviting us into this place of intimacy, that you are wooing us ever so gently, that you are you're going to send fire on sacrifice. We, we lay ourselves on the altar of intimacy right now. We dedicate ourselves to you. These temples of the Holy Spirit that you paid such a high price for so that we could be your kids. Yeah, we dedicate ourselves to you. We say yes to intimacy. We say yes to a sacrifice of our time to be with you. To spend undistracted, face-to-face, no agenda, other than just to meet, just to be, just to be held by you, just to be, be close to you, just, just to know you, that our heart cry would be what Paul's was towards the end of his life that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Oh, Jesus, I know there's suffering. We know there's all kinds of things that are happening. We thank you that we get the privilege, opportunity to show the world your glory. We get to show the world that you love them. So, thank you. Thank you. Would you answer the question for each person, what's a sacrifice? What's a sacrifice for us individually? You'll give us a plan. You always do. We thank you.
in that posture. I just felt like there was something breaking in the room in a real good way. And I just wanted to read this as we as we get ready to close and we'll have people that will pray with you. I, I, that doesn't mean we're going anywhere. Uh, uh, in 2 Chronicles 5, before there was the dedication of the temple, I feel like there's a key for us here. It says in verse 13, it says, Indeed, it came to pass when the trumpeters and singers were as one 
to make one sound, to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. That the, and they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, For He is good, for His mercy endures forever. That the house, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud so that the priests could not continue ministering because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. feel like there's a couple keys there. One is worship develops an intimacy that results in a unity with Him that will result in unity with one another. And when that becomes our priority, the priests weren't able to enter into the temple to minister. I believe that's what blocks religion from taking hold of us. The religious that divides the body of Christ and honestly divides us as Christians and all the things, even our own personal life of religious stuff. I feel like that as this year comes to a close, that God's highlighting for one distractions and others traditions and religious practices that we have carried for too long, that he's been like, it's okay, but now it's just, that's enough. We're going to go ahead and, and deal with this and, and get it out of your life so that there'll be more freedom and there'll be a, a full expression of our uniqueness and freedom that only we were created to operate out of, the, the sound that only we were created to release. And I believe it, it starts in this place that we're, we're practicing in this moment. So Father, we thank you for removing, distra- or giving us the, the list of distractions the things that we have allowed to be most important that aren't most important. We, we thank you that you're showing us those things, and I thank you. I just declare over us as a, as a family that we are going to end this year stronger than we started it, that we are going to end it more on fire, more in love, with more glory upon us than what we started with that all the pressure and all the stress and all the things that have come against us this year, what they've done is they've pushed us deeper into a place of intimacy with you. And we thank you that you're taking us even deeper now that's going to result in uh, a transformation of our cities, our nation, and the nations of the world. We thank you. We thank you for what you're doing right now. We thank you. We thank you. I thank you that we are going to be known more than ever before as a people who who love you, who love one another, and as a result, love those that are, are not yet in the family of God. I thank you that we will be known even more so by love, that you've marked us We're forever ruined by your love in a real good way. And I thank you that you are. You're raising our awareness to to what matters most in this season. So thank you, Father, for personal revival breaking out in in ways like we never have. (laughs) I thank you. This is going to result. People are going to get around us and start getting free. People can get around us and start getting healed, crying out to Jesus, wondering what they can do to be saved because of the fire and the glory, Lord, that's resulted, that's on our lives because of intimacy. So just a simple practice. I thank you that it's going to bring so much change around. I thank you that it's going to bring unity in our families. I thank you that it's going to bring freedom to people we've been praying for for years. I thank you for the salvation ultimately of our nation, Lord. I thank you that you're uh, expressing this desire to the body at large all over the place. And I thank you that we get to be a part of what you're doing as the body of Christ, as the bride. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Thank you. To see distractions being highlighted to us. I'm saying that doesn't matter most. That doesn't matter most. That doesn't matter most. And I felt like he was putting things in place. Yes, he's the center of everything. And I feel like he was bringing our attention back to him being the center of it all and pushing those other things outside, 
outside of the circle that he belonged in all along. <laughs> just a little course correction. Just a, uh, I was talking to, yeah, I was talking to Aaron. He was talking about Gabriel when he wants his attention. He'll just grab a hold of his face. <laughs> like, he'll just grab, grab his face. It was like the father was ever so gently just saying, here, son, here, daughter, look. Look, just look in my eyes. <laughs> Let's just smile at each other for a little while. See what happens. <laughs> so much change, so much transformation is going to take place in those moments, just like we've learned. Those things we've been declaring that's transforming our minds. The process is going to be expedited. Refinement's going to, it's going to be expedited. Remember, it's not bypassing process. It's actually engaging in process when I'm in intimacy with. That's what's happening. Yeah, it's, it's speeding up things. Our transformation is happening faster like He always intended it to. So we thank You, Father, that we are getting to engage in this process. <laughs> we thank You for what it's doing. Thank You that You've brought us back to life. Thank you, Father. You're so good, and your mercy does. It endures forever. Your mercy triumphs over judgment. Thanks that we get to show the world that. In Jesus' name. Thanks, Lord. Thanks, Jesus. for you, whatever it is that you need. Bless our online people who haven't been able to come in. Bless you guys. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for wrecking them, Jesus. Thanks for technology. Thank you, Lord. Bless you guys' week. I pray that it be one of, of sacrifice to him in intimacy my gosh I can't I can't wait to see what happens because you guys are already on fire and already living and making visible the glory of the Lord to the to the people around you imagine what this is going to do <laughs> it's going to be dangerous for us to get in the same room together <laughs> thank you father yeah have an amazing week love you guys Thanks for listening to Revive the World Ministries podcast. Join us each week for another message and listen to past messages by visiting us online at revivetheworld.us.